Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to The Sleep Pod, the podcast where the stories are occasionally high concept but always low stakes. My name is James, and I'm here to make up a boring, drama-free, and mildly amusing story to help set you up for a long and restful night's sleep. Summer is well underway here at the Sleep Pod HQ, so here are a few top tips for getting to sleep when it's hot. Reduce the temperature of your bedroom. Turn off any heating. Maybe open a window slightly. And wear some breathable nightwear. Personally, I sleep in a silk toga. For this episode's story, the word of inspiration that I'll be using as a jumping off point for the following improvised tale was emailed to me by a man. I think he had a name like Bernard or Howard or something. And that word was button. So, get yourself comfortable. Do a big stretch. Eat your vegetables. Pop on your toga. And I'll begin with this episode's story. Button. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Glork pressed the button on the command console of his spaceship. All of the instruments were flashing all of the colours that they were supposed to be when his final destination was approaching. The button that he pressed started the deceleration process. And after a few moments of usual interesting sounding engine noises. His view from his pilot seat via the large glass window in front of him slowly began to turn into something that he could comprehend again. That was the main thing that Glork didn't like about traveling in his spaceship at very, 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 very fast speeds. When you're going at speeds anywhere in between almost the speed of light to faster than that, everything outside the ship looked all weird and wobbly and strange. So now he was glad that his view had returned to something recognizable. He looked around for a moment. Yes, he thought, this looks about right. The majority of his field of view was just the normal, standard, inky blackness of space, lightly peppered with the occasional stars. But now, he could see something that he'd never seen before in person. 
but he was very familiar with it. He smiled slightly as he looked at the giant blue and green orb that hung in front of him and was slowly getting larger and larger as he got closer and closer. Ah, hello, the Earth, he said. In a lot of ways, he could understand why most of his friends and family weren't that interested in the same obsessions that he had. Sure, the Earth looks like pretty much any other planet. It had land masses, large bodies of water, even a moon. In that regard, it was no different at all from the planets that he had grown up on. But there was one thing that Earth had that his homeworld just couldn't seem to get right. Something that he'd been obsessed with for most of his life. And it was this very obsession that brought him in his spaceship to the planet Earth. And that obsession was his enjoyment of films and television from Earth. Over the years, Glork had thought long and hard about why all the media on his homeworld and on many of the other planets that he was aware of just didn't really resonate with him as much as that from Earth did. It was hard at first not really understanding what a lot of people were talking about. The language was easy, but there were so many little things and references to other things that at first it can require quite a bit of work for the average non-Earthling to enjoy the media of Earth. But Glork had found that with a little bit of perseverance it was so much more enjoyable than anything else the galaxy had to offer. Many of his planet's media executives had also come to the same conclusion that there was really nothing else as good in the universe as the films and television programs from Earth. And numerous attempts had been made over the years to create their own versions of television shows based on the Earth originals. Some of them had been okay, but most of them just felt flat. It wasn't even that the producers had been dumbing down the ideas to make them more broadly palatable. No matter how much the creative team 
behind these localized versions understood the source material. They still just couldn't really pull off a faithful version that felt the same as the originals. Sure, a couple of shows had done well, but they were very few and far between. And after a few seasons, they barely had anything in common with their original source material. And that's why for Glork, there was nothing really better than the original. And that's why, after months of planning, he decided to travel across the universe so he could see what the real Earth is like. In his preparation for the journey, he had mastered most of the most popular Earth languages. Unfortunately, his biggest hurdle was the fact that, due to the vast distances that lay between the Earth and his homeworld, he hadn't seen any television that had aired on Earth. After the year 1999, for ages he had hoped that the Earth would pull together and get everything in order and do some proper space travel so they could be welcomed into the galactic fold of friendly planets. Once that was done, it would only be a short matter of time before technology is installed on the planet to export all of the films and television shows almost instantaneously without having to wait for them to arrive via the vacuum of space at the sluggish speed of light. But eventually, Glork gave up waiting. The only problem with only knowing Earth culture from the end of the 20th century was that he had no idea what fashion looked like anymore. He hoped that no new interesting language had swept over the planet. Because it would be one thing if he turned up dressed like somebody from the 1990s. But it would be even more suspicious if he tried to communicate using a dialect that hadn't been used for 20-something years. If that had happened, people would definitely know he was an alien. As his spaceship approached the planet, he put it onto autopilot and enabled the cloaking device so nobody could see him coming. 
he checked that everything was going to be fine and manned for a few minutes. Got out of his seat and went to get changed. Luckily, the human physiology wasn't too different from that of Glorks. All it required was a simple skin suit and for him to keep his tentacles securely tucked inside his body. He popped on the skin suit, got dressed in some cargo shorts and a tie-dye t-shirt, and then spent a few minutes perusing his library of wigs. He knew that hair wasn't a must-have for the excursion, but he'd always liked the idea of hair. After all, to his species, hair was an entirely alien concept. After umming and ahhing for a while, he selected a wig that he thought suited him best, whilst not being too ostentatious or attention-grabbing. He still thought it made him look really cool. He looked at himself in the mirror, and then remembered that he needed to put some socks and shoes on. So that's exactly what he did. He took one final look at himself, turned around a few times to make sure that there wasn't anything overtly alien about his appearance, and was just about to turn the light off and return to his pilot seat, when he remembered about the concept of baseball caps. He knew that people did sometimes wear them. Sometimes people wore them backwards. But after some careful consideration, Glork decided it was probably best not to. After all, people used to wear baseball caps one way. And then after a while, people started to wear them the other way. What if during the period from the 1990s to the present day, the humans had found a third or even a fourth way to wear a baseball cap? And anyone wearing one the standard or backwards way could be easily ridiculed, he thought. So he decided against it. It wasn't like hats were a necessity. He returned to his seat and turned off the autopilot for a moment so he could land his craft manually 
when he had been planning the journey, he had thought long and hard about where he wanted to visit and where he wanted to go first. But all that planning and thinking didn't need to last too long. He wanted to visit the place where his favourite sitcom had been filmed. Seattle. He tapped a few buttons on the console, pointed his ship towards Seattle, and began his descent. He didn't know what to expect from the place. All he knew about it he had learned from his favourite ever show. Dr. Dad. It had been quite a long-running family sitcom, originally broadcast from the late 80s to the mid-90s, and it followed the exploits of the Gravel family. The titular character who was the Dr. Dad, was Dr. Peter Gravel. He was a doctor, although this wasn't really talked about or shown too much on the show, apart from a few episodes. For example, when his daughter, Lindsay, got both of her arms stuck in drain pipes. Or the episode where his son, Danny, had hiccups. For one year. His favourite character on Dr. Dad was Peter's wife. Patricia. She had really big hair and was always slightly annoyed at everybody. He quite liked that. He found it quite refreshing. On his home world, everybody was very polite all the time. And while that did make the whole of society much more pleasant, it was entertaining to see a character who was more than happy to air her frustrations at her family and the world in general. Glork fastened his seatbelt double-checked that the cloaking device was enabled. And then, after descending even more, landed his vessel in an abandoned parking lot. Somewhere in the middle of Seattle. 
once the whine of the engine stopped and the sound of the pressurization finding its equilibrium, Glorg got up, did one final check that he didn't look like a space alien, and then left his spaceship. The area that he found himself in was unknown to Glork. He had studied any maps or details that he could find or work out from various media that he had found over the years. However, the problem was always going to be that large cities are constantly evolving. It had been easy enough from up above to get a lay of the land, so to speak. But apart from that, he really didn't know where else to go. He locked up his spaceship and made his way out of the parking lot, checking that nobody saw him. And nobody did. He was very excited. Wow, he thought to himself. I'm stood near a road. How exciting. The cars did look a bit different from the vehicles that he had become accustomed to seeing. But they still looked like cars. So he was glad that Earth's customs hadn't altered too much over the past two decades. He walked down a road, glaring with marvel at everything. The buildings looked exactly like the buildings that he had seen on various things in the past. The people, the people looked like actual humans, because they were. He grinned to himself as he walked down the road, hoping to see a signpost or maybe one of those maps that you seem to get in some places that say you are here with a big dot. But unfortunately, there was nothing. Ah, I know, he thought. He walked a little bit further. And eventually, he saw the distinct skyline of Seattle. Large buildings towered over smaller buildings. Great, he thought. If that is the main hub of this area, hopefully it might be slightly easier to find things from there. So that's where he went. He walked down road after road, the whole time just looking and seeing and hearing and smelling and feeling and experiencing 
everything he could. After a while, he could tell he was close enough to a point that he would designate the center of the city. There were a lot more people there, a lot more vehicles, a lot more noise. He found a bus stop and read the schedule. Unfortunately, he didn't know where to go. All he knew was that the Gravel's house was in Seattle. Hmm. I need information, he thought. And then he saw exactly what he needed. At the base of a giant skyscraper, there was a small booth that had the word information displayed above it. Well, he thought, that seems ideal. He took a couple of steps forward and then stopped. Oh no, he thought. I've not spoken to an actual, real human yet. Or even a pretend one, for that matter. If his species could sweat, he would have started sweating. But luckily for him, he couldn't. So, he didn't. He had to think for a moment. And then realized that he was maybe being a little bit paranoid. Nobody's going to think that you're an alien, he thought to himself. And then he agreed with that thought. And so, after agreeing, he started walking. As he got closer, he could see that the booth wasn't in fact a booth. The thing that he thought was a booth was just an entrance section that led to a slightly larger area that took up a small fraction of the ground floor of the large building. Unfortunately, the tinted windows and information leaflets that plastered the windows obscured his view of the inside, so he had no idea what was actually going on inside of there. He started to feel a little bit nervous again, 
after a brief word with himself where he reminded himself that it would be very silly to travel all of that distance and run away at the very first slight inconvenience. So he plucked up his courage, made sure his wig was on straight, and approached the doors. The doors, sensing his arrival, parted, and then he saw that there was another set of doors, which also, as he was closer to them now, started to open. He dug down deep to carry on walking, make it in the room, and see what happens. It took his eyes a moment to adjust to the change in brightness. But once they did, he saw a sparsely decorated room with grey carpets, grey walls, fluorescent lighting overhead, and a desk in the centre of the room with a lady sat behind it. She was smiling. Wait, Glock thought. She's smiling at me. Well, at least I've definitely passed some kind of test. Where I look at least human enough to not cause confusion to this young woman. With a sense of newfound confidence, Glock walked up to the desk and said hello. Hi there, said the woman. My name is Jane. Cowabunga, dude. My name is Glork. Jane gave him a strange look, but it didn't stay on her face for too long. Oh, that's an interesting name. You're not an alien, are you? Oh no, thought Glork. I forgot that humans don't have names like Glork. He thought fast. No, he said. But yes, it is an interesting name. It's an old family name. Oh, said Jane. That's very interesting. Now, how can I help you? Well, said Glork, 
need some information, and I'm hoping you could help me. Jane laughed. Of course, that's my job. Great, said Glog. I'm trying to find the house where the television sitcom Dr. Dad was filmed. Oh, said Jane. I used to love Dr. Dad. Oh, well, said Glog, I still do. And they both laughed. Well, said Jane, I think the actual filming of the interior of the house was probably done in a studio somewhere far away. Oh no, said Glock. Yes, I'm afraid so, said Jane. However, I do know that all exterior shots of the building in question were done in Seattle. That's okay, that will do fine, said Glork. How far away is it? Jane laughed. It's literally just round the corner. I'm surprised you didn't see it. Really? said Glork. In between all of these large skyscrapers, a small residential building is still here? Yes, said Jane. It was deemed culturally significant. So it hasn't been taken down and larger, more city centre suitable buildings put in its place. Jane grabbed a pen and some paper and drew a crude map that told Glork exactly where to go. When she handed it over to him, she told him in words just so that he was certain of where he needed to go. Glork thanked Jane and then left the information place. He followed her directions, which were very easy to remember, but also very clear on the small piece of paper that she had handed to him. After a few minutes of walking, he turned down a street, and then there it was. The five-bedroom building with a tree and rose bushes on the front of the property looked almost identical 
to how it had looked. During the opening credit scene of Dr. Dad. He stood there for a minute, just looking at the house and smiling. It was great. While he was stood there, a few other people came up and looked at the house with him. All fellow Dr. Dad fans. You'd have liked nothing more than to stay there for a while longer and talk trivia with people who were also big fans of the show. But he didn't want to push his luck. In any long conversation, could quite easily result in him being outed as a space alien. So after a while, he took a few steps back and walked a little bit down the road till he found a bench. He sat on it with a feeling of accomplishment and joy vibrating throughout his body. Well, that's one thing off my list, he thought. Now, I need to travel to the other side of the planet and see if I can meet some of the pop stars that I really like. And hopefully... If that adventure goes anywhere near as good as today's, I'll be meeting Sean, Wayne, Nick, Ralph, and Moses. Or as they're better known to anybody who knew anything, at least back in the 1990s, They were best known as the pop music band, the Egg Boys. And with that thought, he stood up, made his way back to his spaceship, and began the next leg of his sightseeing journey. That's the end of this episode's story. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm now on Threads, that new social network that people are talking about. Well, I'm on there. And if you are also on there, 
you can follow me. Hopefully I'll remember to put a link to it in the show notes. But if I didn't, then you do want to find me. I think the account name is something like The Sleep Pod Podcast. Anyway, you should probably go to sleep now. So I'm going to go. Until next time, sleep well. Night-night. <laughs>